Okay, people. Liz, would you like to kick this off and uh, provide everyone with a current update? Yeah, look, um, thank, thanks, everyone. It's been super busy. It's just ridiculous because there's just so much to do in so little time. But the, the support has just been phenomenal. And so Matthew Haig, who many of you know from his great work for the um, Defence Force and the police, he's now joined and offered support as well. And he's got a team of people. So we've gone from sort of one voice to growing and growing. And now it's feeling a lot more comfortable with, with a team there. Um, of course, it Brings a few logistical challenges, getting everyone up to speed on what's being done and who can do what. But it's it's just it's just really encouraging to see how this is all working. And the same with the um, medical evidence and getting the doctors to support us. And because you know we don't feel comfortable that what we're being told by the New Zealand Blood Service is necessarily full and frank. And it's just so so helpful, and we're so grateful that others have stepped up to help us and and, and unravel all of these weird and wonderful things that are going on. Like why, why did they used to offer direct donor blood on their webpage and suddenly that's gone just when we all need it so much, when baby Will needs it so much.
Well, look, it, it, I've never had so little sleep, but um, so far so good. We, we've just had a whole series of deadlines because there's so much work to get a case ready for court. And it's such an important case. You know, we're just so motivated to just do it the very, very best we can. Um, and But pulling everything together is huge. So we had a big deadline yesterday having to get our evidence into court. Um, that was a a bit stalled because we did manage to get a meeting with the DH, what they call DHB, they're not called that now, with the, the surgeons and with the New Zealand Blood Bank, um, with with um, Samantha and, and Cole and myself and, and, and their lawyer. So that was um, a huge, well, it took a lot of time to, to have the meeting, but we felt it was very, very important to actually sit down and try and understand more about why they wouldn't agree to to um, make unvaccinated blood available. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're basically implying that um, that the mediations had had just fallen apart. So, Sue, I don't know. Can you, um, yeah, have they fallen Shed apart? Some light on that. Well, look, I'm always an optimist, um, and I, I, it was a very unusual meeting, I must say. I've never been involved in a meeting where one side basically makes such a clear decision before they enter that there's really no scope for discussion about anything. Um, but I felt that the um, surgeons are starting to listen more now and are more open to understand the concerns of Will's parents. And I thought that was huge. But we do have a problem with the New Zealand blood. They're a monopoly um, for supplying blood. And um, if they won't cooperate to do what's the best for the people of New Zealand, who they're supposed to be providing a blood service for, if, they, if they're so determined to stick to their own view, then it makes it really difficult. You know, my, my role as a lawyer is to remind people that there are more to these things than just personal opinion. And there's legal matters, there's issues about discrimination, and there's, um, there's evidence. And an individual's personal view when they run a run a public organisation shouldn't be determinative of, of the outcome. It, sh it should come back to the law and, and human rights and the evidence and those issues as well. They should be the dominant issues. So we're in the position now where we, we're having to make application to the court to join New Zealand Blood as another party. You know, we had just assumed that if the judge said it was best for Will to have um, donor blood, that they would cooperate. But it, but we're really concerned now that they will just say, no, we're not going to do that. So we're actually having to go through the process of joining them as a party, which is just making so much more work for everyone. This, this story's captured the nation as we know, and it's, if indeed it's gone global. It's gone Nine Network News in Australia. It's in Fox News over in the US. It's in The Guardian in the UK. It's all the way through uh, Europe, you name it. There's all eyes on New Zealand right now because this isn't just about uh, a child needing blood because the way mainstream media lens is portraying this is that the parents are refusing medical treatment and there's, of course, a risk to their baby as a result. We know that's not true. All they're saying is, 
we fully agree. Let's get the surgery done. Can you just use this blood? It's as simple as that. And these people, for some God knows what reason, they are hell-bent on dragging this out. My concern is if this isn't, if the court doesn't immediately say, be sensible, give this child the blood um, that the people have already offered, it's there, direct donor blood, then this child will die. And, and, and then they'll blame the parents for it and then demonize everyone as a result and and it'll further add more fuel to the anti-vax and anti-this brigade and i'm i'm getting a bit tired of that narrative being spun to be honest yeah i mean there certainly didn't feel like there was much heart coming from the new zealand blood people you know i mean we're all there trying to do the best for a baby and respecting different views, having done an enormous amount of research and, and having spoken to people who have been directly harmed by, um, by blood that's vaccinated. And we, we just weren't being listened to. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a very unusual situation. And it's also, was I found it quite... Um, concerning that you have an organisation that's supposed to be representing the public. They're looking after the donation, collection, processing and supply of blood and actually human organs as well as I understand it. They're looking after the supply of all of those things in New Zealand and yet they're not really prepared to do what is in the best interests of the patient, even if the court were to give some indication of that. They're just saying, well, no, we're going to do what we're going to do. Well, it was supposed to be a meeting at 3.30, so we dropped everything. I literally dropped everything, getting the evidence ready for the court the next day to go to a meeting at 3.30. And we were sitting around at the hospital, oh, must have been at least an hour, over an hour, waiting for the woman from the blood bank to arrive. Um, Calvin, have you got anything else for Sue before we let her go? Yeah, before we let you go, so I want to make an observation. I want people out there to actually engage their critical thought here and just follow me on this. It'll be quick. <clears throat> you have a child, a four month old needing open heart surgery. The parents have arranged direct donor blood of the kind that they need. The blood bank refusing this request and saying that the vaccinated or jab blood, I call it, I don't call it a vaccine is safe. Basically it's like, Jacinda Ardern is safe and effective, and we know that was complete and utter rubbish. But yet, the people got to remember the jab, <clears throat> Pfizer's own documentation states as a part of its um, adverse reactions, there is myocarditis and pericarditis. What do they deal with? The heart. So if you are trying to save a baby's life and have open heart surgery, why the hell would you take the risk of good putting contaminated blood in there that's going to cause those two problems and possibly kill that child anyway? It makes no sense whatsoever the media can spin it all they want that is common sense logic and reason right there at play 
why the hell don't people get back to that? Sue, what, what's your take on that? It's very easy, straight argument. Exactly. That's, I mean, that's exactly what my analogy is. You get an injection in the arm and it, whatever the reaction of that is, it travels through the blood and it causes inflammation of the heart. And we know that the coroner said that in Rory Nen's case and, and MedSafe, the government regulators, say that it, it, one of the risks is myocarditis. Why on earth would you risk that in a baby? Um, and nobody knows. That, that's the other thing that came out of the meeting. There's no testing they can do for mRNA in the blood or for spike protein in the blood for anything else. They have no test. So what they're doing is they're saying, well, you can't prove it's harmful. And what we're saying is there's more than enough red flags to be concerned. You can't prove it's safe. So exactly. That's the point. They've made the claim it's safe. And all you've got to say is, well, show us the evidence. Show us the test you've done. And I bet they can't. It's like anything else. They've got no tests. So that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's been amazing. It's the, the saddest story ever. She actually managed to get direct donor blood for her baby for its serious heart operation. And she said, actually, they told her it was also difficult. It wasn't that difficult at all. And the baby was doing well. And then for some reason, when she and her husband were away from the hospital, they gave the baby another transfusion without any consent. And that was vaccinated blood. And soon after that, the baby got a, a clot. And two weeks later, the baby died. Uh, it's just the Absolutely most horrible, horrible story. But um, what she said, you know, the one thing she can do to help is to share that information so that other babies are saved and, and that it doesn't happen to anybody else. Yeah. Amazing. And what I can't understand is we can find these people, we can find so many doctors and scientists and researchers and parents that have got these stories about the problems, the risks of, of um, blood being contaminated. And maybe one person might not prove anything, but when you put the whole picture together, it's so powerful. And yet the official government people that we are paying to run this service don't seem to be remotely interested in in any of this in fact it feels like they're so blinkered they just absolutely will do whatever they do can do to not know and so what kind of a service what kind of a public service is that and you know having a parents that have to go to court or go, not because they want to, but to defend themselves against the state saying, we don't like your choices, we could help you, but we don't want to, and we're going to try and intervene and take over control of your child's medical decision, when there's so much evidence, but they just won't even listen to it and look at it and read it. This is the thing I just cannot understand. And I think so a lot of people cannot understand it. They're scratching their heads. They're just wondering what is going on. And they're also saying, if this can happen to this family, what's going to happen to me and my child down, down the road? It could, could they make vaccine um, 
you know, vaccines are compulsory for under five-year-olds and, and then the state step in if you say no. So we really want to thank you for your time. It's amazing what you're doing. Um, you guys were all so, so um, strong and powerful outside the court, you know, Sam and, and Liz there as well by your side. So carry, um, carry, we'll let you carry on with your day and keep up the good work and we'll touch base with you again later. And we'll just stay on with Liz now um, and talk a bit about New Zealand media and what they've been up to. <laughs> oh, we've we've got another huge day today because we've got to file our submissions today. So, um, crank up that coffee pot. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so Jim. much, everyone. Okay, bye bye. Cheers. Bye. And um, he because he admits that Liz, he he admits that Liz. He says I'm not um, he's not, I'm just a layman. And he says to Sue, "Where uh, you're just a layman, but Sue actually has a, a microbiology degree, I believe. So she she understands science. Why don't we just play a little clip of that, just so people watching from overseas can look at um, and actually see what the mainstream media here in New Zealand's doing? Parents are they comfortable? They trust the doctors and the surgeons to carry out this operation. Yes, they do. Look, the baby was born with a congenital heart defect and it's already had one operation. Um, they, they just want the best care for their okay. child. Okay, so they trust the medical science behind those surgeons carrying out that operation, yet they don't trust those same doctors who do trust the blood services blood. Where, where is the logic well, in that? Oh, there's a huge amount of logic. There's a lot of evidence, including from MedSafe, the New Zealand government regulator, about the harm or potential harm from the Pfizer vaccine. And indeed, we've had a, a child... A, a no, 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 no. I want, an answer to, I want an answer to the question that I asked, which yes, is, this is, this so, is, so you trust the doctors, the medical science behind the operation. Those same doctors, those same doctors are not willing to cede to your request, they trust the blood from the blood service, they accept the truth, which is there's no risk here, yet no, no, that's you're not, not willing truth. to trust them. That is, not, that is not the truth. The truth is there's a huge amount of international research showing that there are factors in blood that can cause... I'm, I'm sorry, Sue, but that is not the case. If we look at no, no, the Federal look, Drug Administration, the Canadian uh, Blood Services Board, these have all found no, there is no, no issue here. We've got New Zealand's MedSafe. We've got the blood service, no, no. the immunisation centre. The overwhelming okay, let's, scientific let's evidence it. is clear. I don't want to have a discussion about the research because well, you and I are lay people. Reason, we trust the, 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 the experts.
court, the reason that we're in court is to have this discussion that needs to be had that nobody's been having. And I can give you a very simple reason why we need to have this discussion. Rory Mann died from myocarditis following the vaccine. That's the report of the of the card, uh, of the coroner. Uh, again, he, look, he received, I, I, I'm I'm a layperson like you are a layperson. We work in a system no, no, in I a country that trusts experts. Degree, and I want to come back to the point. You trust the experts and the doctors to perform the operation. Yet you don't trust those same doctors who are 100% confident in the blood. They're not 100% confident. What they're saying is there's, there's been no testing done on the blood, so they have no information to show any harm from the blood. But they haven't done any testing, and they have no testing to assess what factors are in the blood. What if there's any spike protein in vaccination? Again, blood the, the I'm, blood I'm just they sorry, but the, the no overwhelming evidence. medical advice no, 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 and no. experts in this country that we live today. in is very clear that there isn't a risk. And I wonder... Are you concerned that this might... You're not listening to what you ask me a question. You're not listening to my answer. Calvin, what did you think of that? Uh, Well, it's it's like mainstream media across the board. They have their talking points from government. They can't deviate from that. They have their marching orders. And by hook or by crook, they intend to bastardise everyone who stands up and says, hang on a minute, I've got some evidence here that completely flies in the face of what you're trying to feed people. And this is credible because it's peer-reviewed and everything. Nothing you have is. So it's it, to me, it's, it's just a part and parcel of the same game being rolled out. You have a democidal government in New Zealand, like other countries in the world, trying to decimate the population. This has now become so clear, you have to be blind not to see it but i think even a blind man could realize what's going on here so i'm i'm just i'm aghast at these people to be honest they are they are, are they that stupid that they can't just sit there and say hang on a minute i've got such a pushback from the public you look at all the comment sections go onto all these mainstream media platforms look at all the comment sections the the ratios 80 20 on a good day for them you know they got from the public going against their narrative the public have woken up and we are only told we're alone. We're only told that we're the uh, minor voices because they say so. I'm telling you, on this side of the fence, this grass is packed. Over there, it's nothing but brown stuff. It's drying out fast. What what, what about, Liz, um, the, the piece that the project did? Do you want to make a comment about that? Because I think we should definitely play the, the particular piece where it leads on from what um, – you know, you and Sue um, know, you know, from speaking to um, Cornelia from Montana and how her baby died and the fact that they actually gave um, jabbed blood without permission. And in that project piece, they actually laughed and they made a joke, um, you know, saying, why don't we actually just say to the family, we're giving them unvaccinated blood, but let's just lie to them and give them jabbed blood. Um, Yeah,
Oh. Oh. Oh, you just just in Mulligan, yeah. All right, well let's just let's just play that clip and we'll come back and uh see what you think. You, you shouldn't just give kids random street blood. Um, but I, I think they should, they should just lie. Like, that's what I'd do. I'd be like, Those yeah, it's... The like, medical people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's totally unvaccinated. Yeah, we got it. I just got it now from Brian Umbrella and Sarah Watercress. It's... Uh, <laughs> put it through a tea towel, it's sweet ass. Actually, yeah. not a crazy solution, Josh. Yeah, and I, and I and I still have an insistence that every single politician in Parliament needs to be arrested and tried because they have unleashed a bioweapon on this country. It is causing deaths. It is causing carnage. There is no doubt about that at all. I'm willing and I've tried to get arrested over this because then we, we can bring the facts and evidence into court. Judicial reviews are a waste of time. It's did the government... Uh, follow their own rules yes they did okay well we override you people go but what about the bill of rights they've got their little provision in their sense if the government deems a state of emergency for your safety we can lock you down and inject you and all that sort of stuff that's just wrong that's not a bill of rights at all and if you have to be given something by government it can be just as easily taken away it's the government that needs to be given a bill of rights you have the right to do this this is but you shall not do this and that's how it's meant to be we've got everything asked about face and it needs to be sorted Yeah, definitely. 100%. And it, what is it? Um, someone said three. And you shall do no harm. Yeah, three lies, and you're out. 
Um, and I just wanted to say a quick, um, you know, we we put out a post about, um, you know, baby Will's story hitting the prime time and you can see the narrative being laid out, um, and how the mainstream media is preloading this case for the government's angle. You know, they talk about parents appearing in court, suggesting that they were actually obliged or they've done something wrong. They also um, only actually used a quote from Sue Gray, the lawyer, where um, she brings up the word conspiracy theorist because that's what the surgeons were trying to say that the parents were, when in fact they're actually very well researched and they've made up their own mind based on independent science. Mm-hmm. Um, they also called the people outside the court on... Um, what, what day was it? Was it Tuesday? Tuesday? Um, they're saying that the parents uh, were protesters, but they weren't protesters, they were supporters. Exactly. Um, so they're constantly trying to make this narrative as a combative one. Um, and then, of course, the only images they really used in, in many of the reports were the ones of the signs and, and the supporters outside that they'd labelled protesters, rather than actually using the imagery of the mother or, or um, Sue Gray uh, being very well presented. Um, and they've also keep referring to it as refusing, the parents are refusing blood rather than they could be saying um, the, the positive angle, which is that the parents are insisting on unaltered safe blood. Exactly. Um, and then, of course, the, the worst, you know, that we're seeing is the mockery and the belittling of the family and the humour um, to try and normalise lying to and parents. degrade them. Yeah, and degrading <clears throat> them. And then what you'll see in mainstream media here in New Zealand, they actually blurred out um, the the parents and the baby's faces. Um, As if there's some type of suppression order in place that they're not allowed to be identified, but that's just to dehumanise them. Exactly. So that's what this whole thing is about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly right. They're not human. Um, so this whole thing is... is is obviously to um, groom public perception and and tailor the narrative to suit a bigger outcome because people watching this, they'll only get, you know, the few main sound bites, the headlines, and that's the image that they take away with. So, of course, it's just that layer effect that Calvin often talks about, just bombarding with these messages, and that's what this is about, isn't it, Liz? So what what else have we got coming up where we want to take control of the narrative and actually put the truth out there?
Yeah. And um, I, I know you're going to have to um, jump off now shortly too, Liz, but I just want to um, bring up, because we haven't had a chance to actually catch up about this either, but of course um, you were scheduled to go on the platform um, with Michael Laws and, um, you know, the the day before you were supposed to go on with him, he was slagging you off um, and he was calling you and the family loonies. And um, why don't you why don't you tell the audience um, overseas who doesn't know what what did you say uh, to Michael Laws the next day when when you were supposed to go on?
Uh, I, I was just going to say you you did an, a, a wonderful job. We, we put out the statement. We we wrote the story um, to go with it, and we said Liz Gunn gives Laws the one fingered salute. Um, you know, and people absolutely loved it. Um, so many people are waking up to the platform. The platform positions itself as the resistance. You know that they, they think that they're kind of exposing the woke media of the mainstream media. They're somehow um, trying to position themselves as being different and awake and aware. They're just as bad. Yep, they're anything but um, people totally got behind you, Liz, and they just, they really stand with you. There's, you know, the, the Facebook post, the Telegram, it's just gone off. Uh, it's gone viral. And, you know, anybody that supports the platform at this point, anybody that still goes on that platform uh, rather than coming on, you know, platforms like yours or platforms like ours, I mean, what are you doing? It's time to move on. It's time to let these guys go. We cannot support platforms that actually abuse our fellow um, truthers and freedom lovers, or and especially that abuse our families when they're going through such a hard time as our uh, Will's family is, Calvin. Yeah, there's two things I've noticed too um, in this whole baby Will story is the fact that I've noticed a, a distinct absence of some of the so-called freedom movement people. We're part of the truth movement, so we're, we're sort of different kettle of fish. But the freedom movement people, um, some of them because they're worried about uh, whether they'll be adversely seen by the public as being associated with these anti this, that one thing and the other, and they try to maintain a certain brand line. I think that's disgusting. I think anyone who's anyone, um, or even if you have, have just a, a Facebook post or a telegram where you only have 10 people subscribing, it doesn't matter. The fact that this affects everyone, it's about them trying to control every aspect of your bloody lives. You need to push it out. And what's or, a good thing we've got coming up, Calvin? Because there on, are a lot on, of people. I uniting. haven't finished yet. Let's let's not let's not just keep uh, trying to um, hurry. Sorry, Calvin I don't want to jump the gun. You um, you always jump the gun. Well, tell you what, just for you, dear, just for you, I'll do it for you. Oh, you're not that gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, geez, that's we can edit that part out. Jumping, jumping, Liz Gun. <laughs> I see where you went there, people. That's quite disgusting. It was only you, actually, Calvin. But okay, yeah. it was me. But anyway, let's just move on. Um, this Sunday, from 10 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night, Kalispin Media, Free NZ, uh, United Free Press, and others will be coming together in a collaborative, collaborative effort to bypass the mainstream media lens and do a direct challenge against the New Zealand government narrative on all of this rubbish. And we're going to bring you facts and evidence from experts all over the world straight to your device, straight to you directly, without the spin, without the doctoring. Um, and so this Sunday, 10 till 10, live streaming from New Zealand throughout the world in collaboration with Council Media, Free NZ, United Free Press and others. Um, you won't want to miss this. This is where you're actually going to get facts and evidence-based journalism and reporting where you have it direct from the sources, including the actual documentation. So after watching this, the New Zealand government will no longer be able to spin a thing. And if you still believe them after that, then line up for your next series of jabs. All right, Liz, what, what do you want to say about that?
Yes. Wow. Cornelia, I'm talking to you from Montana. Is that right? Yes. And you had a baby who was four weeks old, who had a blood transfusion and who died two weeks later. Is that correct? Yes. Your story, Cornelia, has gone around, certainly New Zealand, I'm sure it's gone around the world. But in New Zealand, we have a situation where we have a four-month-old, beautiful little baby boy also And this government and the New Zealand Blood Service will not release the unjabbed blood or will not release permission for the unjabbed blood that the parents of Little Will have found the donors for. They will not release the permission for that to be used. So little baby Will is still waiting for an operation for open heart surgery. And the mother yesterday, Sam, said to me, please, please, can we find the mother of Alexander Elliot Bly? And we found you, and you were willing to help and talk to me. Thank you so much, Cornelia. Could you take us to your story? How long ago did this happen? So this happened in um, February. He was born in January, early January. Um, he died February 17. Um, they gave him the blood, I believe, around the 1st of February. Um, what happened was he had an operation. He needed to work on his throat. And they told us that it was very rare that babies would need blood. So we had been trying to get directed donor blood for a while. Um, 
but they kind of uh, basically told us it was impossible because of how expensive it was, which turned out to not be true. We were able to then get directed donor blood. But um, he went through the operation, did not need a blood transfusion. And we had signed um, saying that basically we only granted the use of blood in the emergency that they nicked an artery. Um, so the doctor then gave him the blood later after the fact, just after the operation, without our knowledge. Without your knowledge? Was he in the ward at that stage? He was not in the operation room. He was back in the NICU. Okay. Um, yeah. When did you find out they had given this blood, this vaccinated blood to your baby? So I walked in probably 20 minutes after they had started giving him the blood. And it was kind of a shock because, you know, we had clearly stated we didn't trust their blood. And um, the doctor, you know, of course, oh, everything's going to be fine. Nothing to worry about with this blood. And, um, yeah, I felt <laughs> very violated because, you know, we hadn't agreed to that use of blood. Um, she just did it anyway. Um, she said his hemoglobin levels were low. Um, so she was just going to give him the blood. And, um, yeah, the next day they discovered a, it might have been later that day they discovered a blood clot had started to form and they could no longer draw blood in a certain place. And my husband had told them the reason we didn't want a blood transfusion from the blood bank was because of blood clots. We were afraid that that would happen. And it did like instantly. And um, then they told us that blood clots in babies are very rare and um, blood thinners will just fix it. But that did not happen. So you're, you are then in this horrendous situation where you're seeing evidence. What was the evidence of the blood clot? How did you know it started almost immediately? So they found it by ultrasound. They said, we have a blood clot, so we're going to have to move this pick line. So they moved it to a different part of his body. Then they kept um, updates of the blood clot by ultrasound um, periodically. They checked it every few days and it just continued to grow. Um, blood thinners, they had him on the highest amount of blood thinners they could legally give him. And yeah, it seemingly did nothing. And it started in his knee and went all the way up to his heart. So when it started inching closer to his heart, they basically told us that um, we had to look, you know, preparing him for to, for death. So we, um, but it was also visible on the outside because his veins turned black and his belly swelled up. So as you can see in the photos, um, it doesn't look normal. Um, and so you could see over time, over the two week period, his belly slowly started to get bigger and bigger. And he turned yellow as his liver shut down. What was the, what was the reaction of the doctors and the nurses? Were they as horrified as you must have been? Were they, were they visibly shaken having, if, having if given you were... this wrong advice? If they were, they didn't show it at first. Um, I, they just followed protocol, you know, oh, a blood clot will cure it up. Um, but I think as time went on, they started to realize that he wasn't going to make it. Um, at least they waited until they knew 
I'm 99% sure. Like they waited till they knew 100% that he was going to die before they told us that he was going to die. Um, however, we were very suspicious, you know, all along, obviously. I mean, it's hard to give up hope. You know, you want to trust them. You think, you know, they'll figure this out. But, um, you know, we got him the safe blood for the rest of the rest of the time he was in there. He got directed donor blood. Um, but that first initial time, that was all it took. One one amount. And I, and I asked that about the doctor's attitudes, because what the parents of little baby Will are dealing with is incredibly arrogant doctors dismissing their concerns out of hand. Something Sam said to me in the second interview is, I know as a mother in my gut that something is wrong with this baby. I knew right from the beginning. She said, I also know in my gut that this blood is not for my baby. The moment when you walked in and you saw that blood being put in, there was a pause in your voice, Cornelia. What was that pause? When you saw that, take me back to that moment, you saw that blood, that vaccinated blood going in your baby. What was your mother's gut instinct saying? I I, I honestly thought, oh, he's going to die. Like that was my first thought. Um, and it was just, I think he would, I mean, he ha- he clearly had a chance to survive. He was, he was, had a very strong immune system he was fighting off like you know all the drugs they were giving him he was still able to push through it he hadn't gotten sick um but yeah the minute I seen that blood going into his veins it just stopped me in my tracks and I was like oh no something's wrong and so then over the next two weeks even though it was horrifying it was like not quite a surprise somehow um yeah I asked that because in the meeting where I was an advocate with the parents, I was we were all begging the doctors to listen to the parents. But I said, we used to listen to the mothers and the fathers. We used to listen particularly to the mothers. Mothers have an instinct when it comes to their own babies. What was, this could be a little unbearable and you have every right to say, look, it's too much. I can't answer that question. But if you can, could you describe what it was like watching your baby what were his levels of pain and discomfort um it was he he was pretty strong um even even his body continued to swell up you know he could he could fight back so they would keep him sedated all the time um so they had to give him morphine for pain and then they gave him some other drugs that were not even approved for infants apparently they do that a lot we looked it up um drugs such as what such um, as what I can't remember the the, no. the term. Um, I should have that information shortly. Um, but heavy sedation, heavy pain, heavy sedation. So he was out of it most of the time. But when he would come to, he was in he was in severe pain. Yeah. Then also, um, they kept a tube down his throat the whole time. So even though they had um, done the throat operation, which was successful, um, they still kept that tube and he hated it because it would it would you know it's not comfortable having a tube down your throat so he moved so much that eventually the tube irritated the surgery they had done and um they said that they would probably have to do another operation so and they they said he would you know die instantly after we removed the tube because he couldn't breathe on his own and he breathed for four hours just struggled for every breath so i we had known he could he was gonna he could have survived without the tube, um, you know, before his body went downhill. So Cornelia, you weren't able to breastfeed. He was being fed intravenously, was he? 
Yes, they gave him my milk through a tube, I think on about three or four different occasions. Hmm. But um, whatever other mixture they, they give, um, that's what they were, he was getting most of the time. Sam, the mother of Will, is quite extraordinary. Your your strength is equally extraordinary. How do you mind my asking how old you are? I'm 24. At 24 years old, Cornelia, how how are you coping with this? How did you cope at the time, and how are you coping now? Um, I have a very strong faith. So, um, and you know, the world is uh getting increasingly more. Um, devastating. So, so I, I take comfort in the fact that he's not here to deal with that. Um, I think that was a lot of what carried me through and trying not to just completely dwell on the past and what could have been and moving forward, I think is very important. Um, I didn't share his story initially. Um, I did more recently, a few months ago, and it was mostly because I started seeing over the internet, you know, is the blood safe? And there didn't seem to be much, much information about that. But, you know, my personal experience, we knew that the blood wasn't safe. So I knew that I had to, I had to put his story out there so people could find out that, at least be warned, you know. So. What has the reaction been across America to that? Because I had not seen your story in mainstream news in America, but certainly it's been going all around our internet here since Baby Will's story came up. What's been the reaction so, in America? Yeah, I had shared it in a Facebook group, which I won't mention for their privacy reasons. Um, they keep getting shut down. But um, it was a lot of uh, an overwhelming response of, uh, you know, of horror. And um, there was some doubters. Um, a few people thought that, you know, that the pictures of my baby weren't the same baby or that, you know, I was lying about the story. So I did get a sum of that. But you know, the majority were pretty shocked. There's a few other people who commented and said that, you know, uh, their loved one had been in the hospital and been, had been fine until they got a blood transfusion. And then they went downhill and got blood clots. So, you know, a few more stories like that did come up. Um, I don't think I've seen all the responses to my story since I, I don't really go follow it, like, you know, see where it's been in every corner. So, Little Alexander Elliot Bly, his life will really stand for, for something, even without what you're doing today. But what you're doing today is so crucial because the New Zealand Blood Service uh, had a very brutal meeting with the parents late the other night. The mother had been in court in the morning. She was exhausted. They called her in at five o'clock when she was meant to be breastfeeding. A very cold woman from the blood service was there saying, oh, I haven't got time for this. Look, this is ridiculous. You know, we're not going to do this unless you can give me absolute proof that there really is some problem with vaccinated blood. We are going to go ahead and put vaccinated blood in your baby's body if, if you want this heart operation. Cornelia, having gone through what you've gone through, what would you say to that woman who the mother described me and, and the father described to me as having absolutely no empathy for them or their position or the fact that they even have collected unjabbed blood? What would you say to that woman, Cornelia? Well, first of all, the logic is just completely flawed because I've been hearing that there's a blood shortage. So, you know, if someone needs blood and supposedly vaccinated blood is perfectly safe, just like unvaccinated blood. 
and they were able to find unvaccinated blood, why do they not just let them use it? I mean, the very, it's just highly suspicious that she, that, you know, the government is pushing for the use of this blood when in their minds, if it's identical, um, it doesn't make sense. It's a very good point. In fact, what the lawyer for the for the parents said in the court was that the parents are not only being so responsible that they're looking after their baby beautifully, but they want an even higher standard of blood. There is an argument to say that too. So here they are going to take them to court again next Tuesday, supposedly, to take this baby from them, make it a ward of the state, so they can force something that the parents do not want into their baby. It is a case for the world, this case. Mm-hmm. What 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 other experiences would you say to New Zealand you have gone through because of this, I can describe it as cavalier, utterly irresponsible, absolutely uneducated attitude that many doctors seem to have because they have fallen for government narratives about this vaccine around the world? What other experiences have you gone through? What was that like? when you realized your baby was going to die? Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's impossible to take the blood out. And I mean, the, the, the doctor agreed, you know, mRNA blood, you know, hasn't been long-term tested. And that's the thing. It doesn't matter that it hasn't been long-term tested and that I might be skeptical of what is in that blood. They're just going to use it anyway. And that's what's... <sighs> Yeah, I mean, it ended in the death of our baby. So if it, you know, they they also threatened to, you know, if we didn't agree to the use of blood, they would call CPS. But um, that's child I, I protection America, services, child mm-hmm, protection services. Yes. Um, and, and, and mentioned court too. Although I think these are more scare tactics because once we actually went to the blood bank, and talk to the right people, we were able to get permission. So I think that there's a little bit more freedom here in regards to personal rights uh, uh, for directed donor use. Um, my my uncle in the 90s, before I was born, he died from a blood transfusion of HIV. Um, HIV was in the blood transfusion, and so and that's what um, eventually took his life. He died of AIDS. Um, so, you know, having that history... I told the blood bank, I said, um, you know, my family member died of this. If I don't trust the blood now and I want to get my own directed donor blood, it should make sense. And she just, she was trying to, you know, bring it back around to the whole, um, the question of vaccinated blood and how silly it was that I'd even bring that up. Um, but that did make her pause for a second because, you know, the blood bank doesn't have the best history here. You speak extraordinarily articulately. Could you send a message? You're right. You may have more freedoms there, and they're not vast, the freedoms you already have. Could you speak to New Zealand's Prime Minister, who is uh, running an absolutely tyrannical regime? That's what I would call it, a fascist regime in New Zealand. I believe they are very scared, this government, that if this blood is given to will, it will open up the floodgates. People will demand far more rights. They have suppressed us as much as they can, but Kiwis are rising up. What would you say to this Prime Minister who herself has a young baby and who is in this week's 
women's magazine across New Zealand crying about her father having cancer when we know that many, many cancers have sprung up since her rollout of these jabs. We know that many, nearly 70,000 officially registered jab-injured Kiwis on the government website that she never talks about. But she's really sad about her own father's illness, which is sad, but she's not sad about all these other Kiwis, including Baby Will, who are suffering horrendously. What would you say to Jacinda Ardern? Um, I would I would ask her, I mean, honestly, if they go ahead and do what they want to do and give him this blood and he dies, what do you think the result in the country is going to be? Um, yeah, I think that um, obviously they're very good at covering things up. We know this. <laughs> but uh, the alternative is not good for them if they, you know, if they follow through. Um and if, uh, you know, if the parents are allowed to give the baby safe blood, then, you know, the, I just don't understand why any leader would be afraid to give freedom to people. It's a, a very uh, communist, socialist, uh, all sorts of names of different countries who have followed that path. And uh, it, it, yeah. Many Kiwis are waking up to that as well. We never yes. agreed to a communist country. We are born free, and it's a freedom from a much higher power. I had a very concerning call yesterday from someone who said that uh, there could be an even more cruel game afoot from this government whose hubris means, whose, whose ego means they want to win at all costs against the people. They may want the baby to die here baby will, so that they can then whip up a media storm against the parents, against the courage of the parents. I am going to call that out today. I'm going to interview that person who rang me as well and put that out. The The darkness, it, it almost feels to me, and you say you are someone of great faith, it feels like a, a battle now across the world of, of good mm -hmm. versus great evil. Mm -hmm. How... How have you come to terms with that part of it, given that this evil took your baby? How have you found this peace? Could you offer that to Kiwis? There are many who are who are needing more nourishment than is on offer from our cravenly fallen media or our corrupted government. Where do you where well, do you draw that from your strength? Well, I mean, if there's great evil, you know, there there's obviously great good. And I think part of the, the attack on the babies is they are the most innocent, most pure of us. So when you hurt a baby, it's like the most, it's the greatest evil. And that's what the evil feeds off of. It, you know, has many babies and young people that can be hurt, children. That That's where, you know, the evil gets its power. Um, and in protecting the babies, that's where, you know, that's where good flourishes. Um as far as my own journey, yeah, it's uh, it's not been easy, but I uh, I just remind myself everything is temporary, including our lives here. So, um, Alex's life was temporary; it, it didn't last very long. But you know, the impact continues, and um, yeah. I guess it's 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 a little bit difficult for me to to 
um, put into words where I, I get my strength. Could you tell us about Alex? Because I can tell you I'm completely in love with baby Will. He's <laughs> this old, old yeah. soul, and it's as if he's come here to wake up our country so our country can be a leading light once more instead of this horrifically fallen country to cowardice, fall into cowardice and following an evil leader, that we can once again be the brave little New Zealand David to the Goliath of, of, of what's going on out there. I believe New Zealanders are waking up in vast numbers to their own courage again. But mm -hmm. what was, so that's baby Will's mission, I have a sense. What do you think, Alex? Well, first of all, describe him and then perhaps why he may have come here in your view. He was, uh, yeah, he was, he was extraordinary. He was, when he was born, he didn't, he didn't cry. Just, you know, he seemed super aware, very intelligent, um, when my husband was holding him, he, uh, you know, looked like he was asleep on his chest and my husband reached up to take a selfie and he peeked open his eyes and just looked at the camera. So you get this selfie of him <laughs> <laughs> opening his eyes to see what, you know, what was dad doing? Um, he was very strong. Um, it would take a couple nurses to hold him down when he started kicking. Um, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't weak by any stretch and, uh, yeah. He uh, very beautiful smile and very beautiful eyes. I think we were a little bit amazed that we had such a such an adorable, cute baby. You know, we didn't really <laughs> a lot of babies are born, and you know, but uh, he he was extraordinary. Yes. How is your husband coping with all of this, Cornelia? Um, I think he handles grief uh, different. Well, everyone handles grief differently, um, but. Uh, he doesn't talk about as much as I do, but um, I think moving forward and just, uh, you know, doing what we can to get, you know, get the word out there about the blood. It's about, you know, the best thing we can do. So. Can you accept that Alex may have come here for, for a similar reason to Will? That he may have had that sole purpose? I've already had that thought. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Do you think a lot of people in America have woken up because of your story that you've put out there? Um, I think they have woken up to um, the blood issue, yes. and But I think they were probably already previously awake to everything else going on. Um, that There's still a lot of friends of mine who, you know, they would have utter faith in the hospital system and, you know, say that, you know, what we experienced was tragic but had nothing to do with the blood. So, in, you know, in some cases, some people are... I don't know if much can be done at this point to wake them up. It's just, it, you know, it is what it is. We have some particularly brutish quarters in our mainstream media uh, who, who, who will use lines like, well, you know, there are always some people who die with these roll-ups at these jabs, you know, a bit of, a bit of that. Oh, you got to take one for the team. You know, some people get injured, some people will die. This cavalier, uh, mm -hmm. attitude because of course our mainstream media are now realizing the house of cards is looking really wobbly and that will's case could be the card that pulls pulls out falls to the ground and the whole thing comes comes down and mm -hmm. so they are being also our, our media very brutal um what would you say to that somebody who says oh you know alex took one for the team baby has to die so that all the rest can be saved it's, it's an unbearably inhumane thing to even say to you and put to a mother who's gone through it, but I want to see what your reaction is. 
Well, I would say, you know, when you told us we need to wear the mask so that just one person would be safer. And then somehow that logic doesn't carry across to, oh, you know, um, a few people died of the vaccine, big deal. It, it definitely seems to be the attitude, you know, if you didn't wear a mask during the pandemic, you were heartless, you were killing your neighbors. But if you die from the vaccine, you know, that that's just part of the, that's just part of it, you know, um, something to accept and, and pretty much ignore for the most part is what I found. But um, yeah, so I think that their logic is uh, two-sided. Did any mainstream media honor you with an honoring interview over in America? No, I just, I, uh, there was two articles that I uh, was interviewed for, um, but they were probably shadow banned sites. <laughs> mm. um, you know, you can, you can go read it, but it's, it's, I mean, they have a very specific following, not, not, not uh, a big news at all. I referred before Cornelia to the shock of being an advocate in that meeting with the doctors. One of them, the surgeon just kept saying, well, I won't, I won't put pressure on the blood bank for them to clear this unjabbed blood because, and I would say why, and he'd go, because I don't believe, I don't believe there's any problem. To which I said over and over, it doesn't matter what your personal beliefs are as a human being, and I will, I will uphold your belief whatever, that's mm -hmm. a democracy. But what truly matters is you are refusing to listen to the parents who are the guardians and the responsible guardians and the well-researched guardians of this baby. The arrogance of that meeting still haunts me to this day, and that was a week ago today. They've done nothing. They have not moved heaven and earth to get this baby help. The lack of humanity from the doctors alone. We have heard there's a rebellion within the children's hospital that there are doctors whose consciences are really being pricked. I need you to send a message to those doctors who want to speak out, but are still too cowardly. We need their courage now to say it's not right what's going on to baby Will. Could you give them a message, Cornelia? Could you say something to our New Zealand doctors who want to speak out, who know what's going on is wrong? Well, um, it's kind of like in Nazi Germany, you know, um, the people who were too afraid to speak out, um, eventually, you know, there was no one left to speak for them once everyone else had been taken, you know, and was gone. Um, so if it gets to that point, you're better off speaking now and risking um, all of the hardship that might follow because at least you're, you're, you're doing what you can to stop the tidal wave. Because if we don't all speak out now, um, it might be too late and then there'll be no one to speak. So even though the doctors now don't have like a instant um, problem, you know, that, you know, they don't have a freedom that's getting yanked from them right now, but it might change, you know, at any point as this, you know, the cycle continues to get worse and worse. Did you speak to the doctors of baby Alex afterwards? Did you look them in the eye and say, you knew what I wanted and you betrayed my wishes, my wishes as his mother? Did you ever get that chance? I would have probably, but uh, they switched doctors. So we got a whole different team in a different section by the time he was dying. So um, the original doctors who had given him the blood were not, were not there. 
This is your chance, Cornelia. This may well be picked up and go overseas anyway because the baby Will story is going around the world. This is your chance to say to baby Alex's doctors who wouldn't listen to you about the blood transfusion. This is your message. Can you say that? Yes. Um, I would just like to tell them that uh, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. They probably truly believed, you know, that this blood was fine. But if it was their child, I think they'd want to do everything they could. And they'd want to trust their own instinct. And so they need to need to give that freedom to parents. Because if they don't, you know, the karma isn't good in the end. So for their own child, for their own child's sake, they need to. <sighs> yeah. Do you, do you feel your baby Alex around you? Yeah. Um, I talk to him occasionally. <laughs> I think I think he's aware of everything going on and I know he's safe and he's happy. So that um that makes me feel happy because you know the the greatest thing a mother wants is her child to be safe. It's been an extraordinary privilege to talk to you Cornelia. An extraordinary privilege and you're doing a service to New Zealand. I would say to the prime minister, to the head of our New Zealand blood service to the doctors in Starship Hospital who are charged with looking after baby Will and remember the Hippocratic Oath, first do no harm. And the precautionary principle needs to be operating here. We do not know what is in the vaccinated blood, but we know the unvaccinated blood will be clean for Will. Please listen to this mother from Montana in America. I wanted to finish, Cornelia, I've asked you to, to speak out to a number of people today, but to, to baby Will's mum, Sam, who is just as gorgeous and intelligent and loving and attuned and well-researched as you are, and to his wonderful father, Cole. Could you say something from, from your heart to them to help them keep going in this draining, draining journey? Yeah, I, well, I want to say that I'm very proud of the fight that they've been putting up. Um, it's exactly the kind of fight that, you know, I wish I would have had the chance to to do. Um, so I just want to, um, I just want to tell them that um, I'm very, very proud of them. And uh, they just need to keep fighting because they're not fighting for just their baby. They're fighting for, they're fighting for many babies at this point. Um yeah, and that that's, that's can be overwhelming to think about, but it's sadly the reality we have now. Cornelia, thank you so much. Can we keep in touch with you? Yes. Yeah. I hope that we will be bringing you good news very shortly that baby Will has had the unjabbed blood and the operation's been successful and maybe one day you and Sam and, and Cole and baby Will can meet. That would be amazing, yeah. Thank you. From all of New Zealand, thank you.
find Counterspin, New Zealand's media revolution, at counterspinmedia.com. And now, on the InfoWars Network, at band.video.